let's be honest, as a police officer, we're trained to deal with, we're trained to get compliance from, from every situation. And that's just not realistic with a lot of mental health calls. And it puts us in a bad position to where either, you know, your, your option is this person complies with you and you take them to the hospital for, you know, however long your, your state holds them, or it, it turns into a lethal force situation a lot of times. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey now, Black and Blue fam, welcome to the latest edition of the Black and Blue Podcast. If you don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Dale, and I'm the host and founder of the Black and Blue Podcast. Pleased to make your acquaintance. And uh, if you know me already, you know what me and this show are all about. We celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. And that comes in all forms, including Black, Brown, Asian, Middle Eastern officers, Native American, LGBTQ plus officers, and uh, not only that, we welcome Caucasian officers that celebrate that diversity as well. And I've done a few shows with Caucasian officers, so it's all love here. If you guys out there want to share in the love, make sure you head on over to the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel and smash those like and subscribe buttons. And if you listen to me right now on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you rate the, the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And last but certainly not least, Make sure you check out my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, now, so let me introduce today's guest. He is a 10-year law enforcement veteran in the beautiful bluegrass state of Kentucky. Everybody, please help me welcome to the show, Officer Paul Paris. What's going on, brother? Hey, Dale. How's it going? Excellent, man. Excellent. Can't complain out here in sunny California. How you doing out there in the great bluegrass state of Kentucky? You know, it's all love out here. I wish I wish that we had the California temperatures. We're in about 45 degrees right now, so I'm not looking forward to going out in the street today, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, sometimes we, we welcome those temperatures out here, too. I mean, we would we would love to have them. When it gets when it dips below that and it starts snowing like it does, I don't probably doesn't snow in Kentucky, but, um, you know, when it when it gets that but cold. We get, we get know, blizzards out here, brother. Do you really? Oh, wow. Absolutely. Wow. All right. So I mentioned in the intro there that you were in Kentucky. Exactly where in Kentucky are you? I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, which is uh, the the biggest city in the state. Okay, the biggest city. We sometimes state. refer to ourselves as our own state. Yeah. <laughs> a little different from the rest of Kentucky, right? It is. Louisville's totally different from the rest of Kentucky. I'll always say that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's uh it's definitely its own animal. Uh I tell people a lot of people that uh regulars of the show know that I'm originally from Ohio, from uh, Columbus, Ohio, so that's not too far from Kentucky. Um Right. I think I went there once 
uh, when it was, the state fair was there years and years and years ago when I was little, but, uh, I moved out to, uh, I moved out to, uh, California when I was a teenager. So, um, you know, glad to be here, but I want to, I want to visit the bluegrass state one of these days. So it's, it's a lovely place. Just come, come when it's warmer. Right. Right. You born and raised in, uh, in Kentucky. I am lifelong resident. Okay. All right. Well, well, welcome to black and blue podcast. I see that uh, you are in a department called, is that Butel? Is that how you pronounce it? Correct. Correct. Okay. And it, that's in the Louisville area? It is. It is a, uh, it's a suburb within the city of Louisville. So we have several, uh, you know, probably at least 30 to 50 different suburbs within the city of Louisville. Okay. Yeah. And I mentioned that uh, you were a 10-year veteran of law enforcement. Uh, how long have you been with Butel? Right. I've been here since uh, early May, so going on about six months. Oh, okay. And where was the other time at? The other time was spent with the Louisville Metro Police Department, which is the main law enforcement agency in the city. Okay. All right. So you decided to leave there. Is it a little breath of fresh air, a little change of pace for you now? It it, it is 100% a change of pace. It's, it's a it's interesting going from a large agency with unlimited resources to a small agency where you're, uh, you're having to, you know, kind of get it on your own. Uh, but it is, it is definitely a change in pace as far as uh, call volume goes. So um, my last assignment with, with uh, LMPD was on patrol in a, in a pretty busy division. So I would say, you know, an average day would, would be about, you know, 15 to 20 calls for service in a 12 hour shift. We're here being a much smaller agency. The, the call volume is dramatically different. Yeah. You say a, a much smaller department. What, what's the difference between the two? How, how large was, was Metro as opposed to Butchell? Okay. So um, when I left Metro, well, at the height of my career with Metro, we had 1,200 officers sworn. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Louisville Metro is down to, I mean, they're down significant now. They're down to maybe eight, nine hundred, somewhere around there. Wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a big right. difference. It, it, it's significant. And uh, in my agency now, there are 12 of us. Yeah, that's a big difference. That's a real right. big difference. Real big right. difference. Yeah, I, I would have thought you would have said, you know, more like, uh, you know, 100 or 200, but 12, huh? No, very small agency. Yeah, okay. All right. And, and what made you want to take that jump over to a smaller agency? You know, there, you know, I think, I think 2020 changed all of us in law enforcement in, in various ways, but I think easily 2020 was the most significant time for law enforcement since probably the civil rights era, I would say. Um, but I mean, there were a number of things that, I mean, you know, I, I loved my career with, in Louisville. Um, I gained a lot of great, ex- I mean, amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Amazing coworkers, um, you know, amazing you know, they, that built my career, that built my style of policing. So, I, you know, no complaints there. Um, however, you know, I, I believe that, you know, there were, there were several things facing that agency that I, I believe are probably nationwide problems, um, you know, as far as, you know, leadership issues and just morale in general. Um, and I think a lot of people experience burnout, which in, in my case, I would say that, that I was burnt out after, you know, so long. Um, especially after those events. I mean, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot for all of us, you know, mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. 
And one of those events that happened in that area, we were talking off off camera. It was uh, Breonna Taylor. How, how how did that affect Correct. you and 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 the, the whole city as a whole out there? Oh, it it, it changed the city forever. It changed our careers forever. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, and a lot of people nationwide don't realize this. Breonna Taylor, her incident occurred in around uh, March of that year, and it you know, slowly spread via social media and the, the department, I mean, I'll say this, the, the department, I don't believe, um, you know, did their part in making the story transparent as to what actually occurred. So due to that, as we know how social media can be, you know, there was, there were several, you know, false narratives or, you know, people created their own stories, um, on social media and it's kind of, it definitely spread like wildfire which led us to the events in May that uh, touched off the civil unrest in our city that lasted months and months. Um, for you know, my personal experience, I was a member of our, we call it the special response team, which is our, um, you know, our riot crowd control civil disorder team. Um, you know, there were about, I want to say 60 of us on the team. Um, so we were there literally from, from day one in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the, uh, the civil unrest from day one, um, you know, controlling crowds and, uh, you know, dispersing munitions and formations. I mean, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, we were working, we were working minimum 14 hour days, um, and, you know, doing it, you know, going, going home to sleep for a little bit and then coming right back down to it. Um, it was, it was definitely a, a big challenge. I mean, it was, it was a very humbling experience. It was a very, uh, you know, as as rough as that time period was for all of us, I wouldn't trade it because it was it was an amazing experience, not only as a police officer, but just as a as a human being, you know, seeing so many people come together for this cause, which do not get me wrong, very legitimate cause, very warranted. Um, but, you know, seeing so many people so passionate for you know so long, it takes a toll on you and it, it just kind of reminds you of of. Um, you know, how serious this career is and your decisions, you know, one, one wrong decision in a, in a second can change the world literally. Yeah. Yeah. The world. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And it did. And it did over there. So, uh, I'm sure you, you, you got a little breath, fresh air, but I'm sure, uh, uh, mutual and the surrounding agencies, you know, they had, they, played their part in, you know, because you're all part of that metro area. Um, so oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't not affected. So, um, you know, hey, whenever something goes down in Louisville, you know, it's going to affect mutual. Hey, it's going to affect all of us out here in California. Oh, so. it, absolutely. And that, that was one thing with that experience was, uh, I mean, we, we couldn't have done it as our agency alone. Um, we had, you know, every every other suburban agency in the county, some agencies from out of county, the state police, our, our federal partners, they all came to assist us. And it, I mean, it was required. We wouldn't have made it. The, the city would not have made it without the help from other law enforcement entities. Yeah. Well, I'm glad everybody made it out. Um, okay. And we still got a lot of reform to do in this profession and in, in the society. And, you know, that's what I'm hoping this, this show kind of helps bring about, you know, showing us, you know, the side of the badge, the other side of the badge, than what you just see on the media, right. uh, you know, Hey, this is part of the media too, but you know, another part of the media. So yeah, I love that. Love that. So, uh, you said you were born and raised in the Louisville area. Tell, tell us about a little bit right. about your, 
your background. You you uh, you got brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, you got the mom and dad, all that out there. Right. So I've got. I've actually I'm an only child. So I've got mom and dad. Um, I was raised in what's referred to as the West End of Louisville, which would be the uh, you know predominantly African American area of town. Um, lived there my whole life. Well, actually, I lived there my whole life up until I graduated from the police academy. Um, and then moved, moved out to a different area of town. Um, but you know, that, you know, that experience in itself was, you know, helps build your character as well. Um, so I got into law enforcement. Um, actually my father was a 30 year, uh, police officer in the city. Thank him for his service. Um, absolutely. So I, you know, obviously I, I grew up around policing and, uh, was exposed to it as a kid. Um, so, you know, I, it's interesting, though, because, you know, I, I grew up around policing and, you know, I went to work with dad all the time and hung out with with cops when I was a kid. And, you know, you, you think you have a general idea how this career can be. But, I mean, until you get into it and you're doing it yourself, you know, obviously you have no idea. No idea. Um, but in, in high school, uh, I became we have do you guys have police explorers out there. Yes. Yep. OK, so in high school, I joined our police explorer program, which was great. And it was, you know very insightful. We got to ride along with the officers and learn, you know, skills and, you know, to help us for, help prepare us for a career. And luckily it worked out great for me. Um, I went to college. I actually I left Louisville to go to college went out of state in the state, but went out of town for college. Um, and uh, I was a police cadet for our college police department for a little while. So that, you know, further built on some experiences and lucky for me, I was able to get hired by our department uh the day i graduated college i was in the academy wow <laughs> it just had everything lined up man it did it lined up i was blessed i was blessed so he didn't try to discourage you from getting in this profession i know a lot of people now are telling you know hey if i had to do it over again would i would i encourage my ch- my children to do it um but right. what was his feeling on having his only son you know, he he did not discourage me. He the one thing that he did say was he's like, you know, are, do you you sure you want to do this? Like, why wouldn't you want to go federal? You know, if you want to be a police officer, go federal. He he would always say that. But he was he was big on you know letting letting me find out my own life for myself. You know what I mean? Um, he he would never discourage it. I think, and also, you know, back then it was a different time in policing. You know, yeah. policing was nowhere close to where it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's for sure. And uh you said you you graduated college. What what's your degree in? I got my degree just, just like the majority of other cops. I got it in criminal justice. All right, all right. Put um, that to good if use. I could if I could go back, I mean I did. It's it was it was it was a good degree, it was a good program, but I think if I could go back, I would probably change it to, to something different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've said this before, but you know, as an FTO, I, I usually and as a uh, we talked about uh explore explore programs i'm an explorer advisor and i try to tell those kids and, and new officers as well to get that education in something other than administrative administration Absolutely. of justice criminal justice only because if you get hurt tomorrow with one year on you're not going to get a job anywhere else with an administration of justice career uh degree totally agree so try to get it in in business that'll help you out um business accounting computer any you can get in anything really um because right Police, police work is, is accommodating for all those kind of degrees. You can use all that sort of stuff in different assignments. So, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. I would, hey, if you I get would the administration strongly impress just, upon. 
yeah, if you got that administration justice degree, hey, that's that still works out for you. You got that, you got that piece of paper that says you know how to follow through. You know, <laughs> that's all it really right. shows is that, yeah, not that right. you, how smarter you are and aren't or aren't. It just shows that you know you know how to take a task and follow through to the end. Totally. I would recommend if, if there was anyone who was considering being a police officer, um, just know you do not have to get your degree in criminal justice. I would strongly recommend getting it in some some other practical skill. And like you said, you can still be the police with any other degree. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you said your dad kind of wanted you to think about the, the federal side of things. Is that on your mind, too? Right. Um, you know, as a young officer, absolutely not. Like, I, you know, and I still I mean, I love being a street cop. I love, you yeah. know, being on the street. Um, but now at this point in my life, yes, uh, federal law enforcement is seeming very appealing at this point. Um, so I would definitely, I have been considering federal law enforcement for sure. Better do it before you hit 37. Cause that's the cutoff. Right. I've still got time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're only 22, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. 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 Yeah. You're only 22. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you're back to family life. You got a uh, special someone, you got uh little ones that, uh, you're trying to discourage from not being a police officer yourself. Uh, I've got, I've got two boys, two young boys. My oldest is oh, nine. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's at, at this, the way that our career is now, there's no way that I would encourage my boys to be police officers. I mean, I don't get me wrong. This it's a great field. I love, I love being a police officer, but I, I would not want to worry about my sons the way that my parents had to worry about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate that, uh, I mean, for one thing, that's just the nature of the beast of our job, but then on right. top of that, all the other stuff that's going on in society right now that we talked about, you know, how law enforcement is changing. Um, do you guys see a lot of that stuff going on out in in uh, Kentucky where, uh, you know, I wouldn't say the cancel culture, but a lot of things, yeah, maybe it is a cancel culture where um, a lot of things are not bookable offenses anymore. There's no accountability in what, uh, you know, what the criminal element is seeing. We got uh, more people rooting for the, for the criminal element as opposed to law enforcement right. nowadays, you, do you see that out in Kentucky? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's, we haven't had too many crimes that have been, I guess, decriminalized. However, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, problems with our court system. I'll say um, it's, and that's probably been going on forever. I mean, that's been going on for as long as I've been a policeman, but uh, you know, we have, you know, career criminals that officers are putting solid criminal cases on, mm -hmm. but the court system is not following through with the prosecution or, or, you know, a, a suitable punishment for their crime. And, you know, there's, you know, every day I'm running into people that, and I'm sure everybody else can relate to this, but, you know, I'm running into people who have been felons multiple times over that are still walking the street, committing more crimes, right. you know? And that's putting that's putting the entire community in danger because and it's and the public I don't think the public realizes this, but you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say the police aren't doing their job, the police aren't doing their job. No. There are plenty and from my personal experience, there are plenty brave men and women out here every single day who are risking their life, risking their safety to apprehend these dangerous people. However, when it goes to the court system, the court system is, is who is failing us. The court system is who is failing the community by continually releasing these people or continually giving them these very light sentences. Yeah, so that's, no that's doubt. something that I would definitely say. 
Yeah. I mean, and things are being decriminalized and we're talking about, you know, defunding um, police movements. How's that hitting your communities out there? So we're not, we're not huge on the defunding aspect of it. However, and this has always been something that I've agreed with. It's, I don't believe in defunding the police. I believe in taking away some of the responsibilities of the police that part. and passing them to, to the appropriate situation. How, and what I mean by that is I've always said that the police have a hand in too many things that we have no business dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, mental health. I mean, we're just, the police, the police have become the default response for any and every situation. And it shouldn't yep. be like that. Um, for, you know, mental health would be one issue. I mean, we, for, for our state, my mental health training was a a 40 hour class in the Academy 10 years ago. That's the extent of my mental health experience, except for what I experience every day on the street, a trained mental health person, what goes to school for what, eight years, something like that. And then has plenty of practical experience every single day. That's their specialty. That is what they do. That is, they should be, I'm a firm believer mental health professionals should be involved in police work and they should be the people who respond and other cities are doing this. And I think our city is slowly trying to work into a program to where mental health people, social workers, whichever are responding to these incidents as they should. Um, Because let's be honest, as a police officer, we're trained to deal with, we're trained to get compliance from, from every situation. And that's just not realistic with a lot of mental health calls. And it puts us in a bad position that we're either, you know, your, your option is this person complies with you and you take them to the hospital for, you know, however long your, your state holds them, or it it turns into a lethal force situation a lot of times because we don't have that. We don't have that experience to, to deal with those type of mental health situations. That's, that's not our strong suit, unfortunately. Right. Right. And you hear a lot of people in our profession talk about um, when this defunding started coming up, you know, sending, you know, mental health professionals out to a situation where you got the naked guy on PCP out in the middle of the street, you know, wielding an ax. And, you know, I I think that's, you know, obviously going to the extreme on the other end of the spectrum. Of course. However, we can look at it as, you know, I know out here in my county that, uh, you know, some mental health professionals are assigned to police departments and they actually ride out. You know, they, or they have, you know, radios with them and they hear these calls come out and then they come out with this. It, it, it'll be no different than, you know, we, we joke about this, you know, as police uh, about fire that, you know, they don't do anything until we clear the scene. Right. It right, could be the, right. <laughs> right. It could be the same way as as far as these mental health professionals. You know, they don't do anything until we clear the scene. And now that it's safe, hey, you know, bring them on in and they do what they got to do. And we can we can go 10 eight or and we can go oh, leave, yeah. you know, go back to work. So, yeah. 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 No, I totally agree with that. Secure the scene, make sure everything's good and send them in to do their thing. Yep. Absolutely. But, yep, uh, totally. you know, and defund, uh, you know, back in the day, it, it's really about reallocating, reallocating some of these funds. Cause back in the day there were right. funds for different programs. Um, you know, mental health. I know that out here in California and probably across the country, um, Ronald Reagan and, the, and a few other uh, presidents and governors released a lot of mental health people from these uh, institutions and they're back out on the street where, you know, they're not getting their treatment. They're not getting their meds. Right. They're not getting any, any therapy out there on the street. And, you totally. know, we are, like you said, the default at call the cops, 
call the cops. So and right. that's where a lot of the right. homeless situation. What's the homeless situation out there in, in your area? Ooh, uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine about that the other day. So, uh, so when I started 10 years ago, uh, I was, my patrol beat was downtown Louisville, you know, downtown, the heart of the city, you know, businesses and uh, a little bit of residential, but primarily business area. Mm-hmm. Um, and the homeless population at that time, I mean, you would see the occasional person out, you know, panhandling or, yep. you know, maybe one or two people sleeping on the sidewalk in downtown. But overall, downtown was was a, a safe, you know, very clean area, for lack of a better term, um, because the homeless population generally hid like in the in the woods. They were they were kind of like out of sight um, and they had these massive, um, you know, like campgrounds pretty much that they all lived in for the most part. Or cause we have we have very few actual homeless shelters, and I think that's a problem as well. Um, but for the for the most part, you you just didn't see that many homeless people out on the street. Now, I mean, it is, I mean, now there's pretty much no regulation, I guess you could say, yeah. of homelessness. Um, they are homeless people are literally everywhere you turn in downtown, um, and and it's not just downtown anymore. It's spread out into all the suburbs and every other community where. In the past, they just weren't present. Now it's literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, da- downtown, you know, I, I used to love, especially as a younger guy, you know, going downtown out to the clubs and stuff like that. Um, now I I try to avoid downtown as much as I can, for and that's one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. When I go down downtown L.A., I'm sure you've seen those pictures that you know, every corner, right, uh, just lined with tents and and all that, and it's oh, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. It was, Absolutely. you know, back in the day, it was just uh, regulated to just, you know, Skid Row. You've heard of Skid Row, but now it's, you know, right. all of L.A. and it's, it's, it's terrible. And it and it's, it's permeated even in my little neck of the woods out here in the suburbs as well. So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's something that we need to get a help, hold of somehow. I don't know how we're going to do it, but um, money is the key. <laughs> I'm sure money is the key. Absolutely. Right? So that, yeah. that would be another thing that, that the police should not necessarily be involved in. I mean, you know, we get called excuse me, we get called consistently to deal with, oh, this homeless oh, yeah. guy's in my, on my property, this homeless guy's outside, blah, blah, blah. Well, if the city or the state put the funding into creating more shelters and adequate shelters at that, I don't mean just like a 20-room place. I mean like a we need to take over a large hotel, yeah. something like that, for these yeah. people to be housed in and then have the actual support that they need. You know, I think, I mean, obviously I'm thinking but, on a smaller scale here. But, sure but you know what, it, but. you know what, in dealing, yeah, same with my agency, I'd say, you know, 60% of the calls every day is dealing with, you know, homeless, the homeless population. And like I said right. before, we have resources for a lot of these guys, but they don't want to take those resources. They, they want to live their lives the way they, you know, with no rules, because a lot of these shelters and places that, you know, we're talking about here have rules. You got to be sober. They don't, they don't want to do that. You got to come in and at this time, you, you know, all these rules and, you know, they, they want to live right. a free lifestyle. So they don't, they don't take up right. these resources. So, I mean, it's, it's that part too. Yeah. Same, same here. I've, ex- I've definitely experienced that as well. They don't want, they don't want to follow the rules that the shelters have. Yep. Uh, they, they definitely won't be sober. Uh, they can't take their pet with them, you know? Yep. So yeah, there's, there's totally a, a lot of, a lot of reasons why people choose not to take those services. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, We'll get a handle of it uh, someday, I hope, you know, someday. Right. Yeah. So uh, what do you like to do when, when you're not working? Sounds like uh, you, you got a little bit uh, more free time and you're not working 16-hour days anymore. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, you know, I'm 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 a dad first and foremost. So I love spending time with my with my two boys. Um, you know, every, every pretty much my free moments when I'm not at work are spent with them. Um, and you know, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm perfectly good with that. There you go. Um, so you know, spending time with them, taking them places, teaching them to you know, helping them grow. That's that's as, my as that's my free brother. time right there. As you should, brother. Yeah. So you're not hitting the clubs out in downtown Louisville anymore, right? No, my my club days are over. Those those days are over, <laughs> and I'm yeah, fine with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And uh, the the big uh, the big uh, monster out there is uh, would it be uh, University of Louisville or would that be uh, UK? Uh, you're, if you live in Louisville, you're not allowed to be a UK fan. I'll say oh, that really? loud. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's Louisville all day. Okay. Well, both of them are really basketball schools. You know, Louisville's got a little bit better of a football uh, history as of late because of uh, Lamar and a couple more. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. You, do you follow Louisville? Uh, not not as much as I used to, but I do I do watch a game every once in a while. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so we were talking about you know you grew up in an African American part of town. Your dad was a thirty year right. cop, so you didn't really have uh, so your friends and uh, your your your, uh, your relatives kind of telling you, hey, why you want to go be the police? Not obviously, because dad was the police, but you you didn't really have that kind of blowback from from any anybody in your circle. Um, I mean, of course, there there were some friends that would always you know question it, but you know it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything like totally negative. They wouldn't be like, you know, I'm not going to be your friend because you want to be the police, things like that. Right. Um, but you know, there were a couple friends growing up who who would always question it. But I mean, you know, they they those you know real friends will accept your decisions. You know, um, I would say now, I mean, you know, I run into more strangers who ask that question as to you know why are, yeah. why do you want to be the police? Why are you out here? You know, and you know some people will never understand it. You can talk to your blue in the face, but you know some some people will listen, and some people will just always have that negative view of policing. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, how Louisville's down uh, a bunch of bodies. It's, it's like that across the country. What, what do you think mm-hmm. is the is the remedy for that? How can we get more people in general to join police? But, you know, we need more people of color. What, what's the remedy there to get Absolutely. more people of color in, into these police departments? We, we definitely need more people of color. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 generational. I mean, it's you, you can't realistically you can't take. A, a, a group of people such as ourselves who historically have been, you know, let's say historically, historically police and minorities do not have the best relationship period. Um, so it takes kind of a, a rebranding or just a, a better explanation as to, you know, this, we have to accept what our past was as a profession. We have to accept that there was a lot of wrongdoing in the past, but we also have to explain that, you know, for the, for the overwhelming majority, those days are long gone and we are working to, to be a better profession. We are working to be inclusive. We, we need minority people to serve our communities, especially, I mean, it's just unrealistic to have, you know, a highly populated area with different, you know, numerous different uh, cultures, creeds, races, but have an all white police force serving them that's just totally unrealistic and it's not 
it's it's just not conducive, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's what we see though. You know, mostly right. Yeah, white police forces, uh, male white, and you know we need uh, totally. more people of color, more females. More, Absolutely. More so I I think I think that it, it takes those those black officers who are on the street or who are in the department, it takes them reaching out to people in the community of people, you know, minorities in the community saying, listen, you know, I'm out here doing this job. This is what this job has done for me. This is the, you know, you'll, you'll get to experience this, this, and this, but you need to give it a shot. And like, you know, you have to be passionate about the career field to actually be able to reach through to people like that though. Um, and one thing I'll say is, you know, if, if you're a law, if you're a police officer who's responsible for recruiting in your agency, if you're not, if you're serious about, getting minority candidates, then you need to be recruiting in places where minorities are. You know what I mean? Like if you're not, if you're not in barbershops talking to people, you're not, you're not doing your job right. If you're not in beauty salons, if you're not at the nail shops, if you're not in the gym, you know, then you're not, you're not reaching the people that you claim that you want to reach. Right. But what do you think that they are recruiting in in colleges and colleges 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 i mean that's that's the one thing that i see consistently is people are always you know recruiting from colleges and okay yeah that's that's well and good but if practically if you're sitting in a room with you know several other career fields most of them are going to be paying way more than police departments are Mm -hmm. you know first of all somebody has to be interested enough to even walk up to your booth and talk to you so I, I just don't think that that is the best way to recruit. I mean, you you literally need to be out in the field approaching people because people aren't going to come to you. No. You know, uh, you, you need to go out to them. Like, you know, go to a ball game, go to a street ball game or something, go talk to somebody. If you're in the line at the grocery store, I mean, let's think about, I was talking to my buddy about this. Let's think about all the times that, that kids or teenagers come up to us in uniform and say, oh, I want to be a police officer. Okay. Well, when you have somebody who is at age where they are actually eligible to come up to a police officer or to become a police officer and they walk up to you and say, hey, I'm interested, don't blow them off. Like that person that comes up to you in the store when you're trying to get your groceries before you go home, that could be your next future leader of a police department. That could be your next beat partner. That could be somebody who is extremely successful in law enforcement, but you just have to take the time to engage them a little bit. Yeah. So you're talking about department wide. Everyone's got to be invested in doing that, not just the recruiter, right. not just the not just right. the chief. Or exactly. The it's not or just yeah. exactly. It's not just the recruiter. It's the individual officer who's out there every day dealing with people. Yeah. Yep. And and that's what you know that image and you know being approachable and all that comes in as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you know kids all the time. Yeah, they're going to be enthralled with us and you know interested. And yeah, I get kids all the time. Hey, can I have a sticker? You know, because we you know we carry around stickers. But then when you start right. to get the those in their in their early twenties, those are the ones who you want to have start joining up and and then I they're not gonna come right. up to you. So you gotta actually approach them. Right. It's like you said. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So what's uh what's uh gonna be like for you at Butchel, uh P D. What uh what's in store for you? Um you know, it's it's we're we're a, a growing agency. Um we have new leadership recently new leadership um so you know it's there's a lot of potential um it's it's coming it's a small agency of course but there's there's a lot of potential for the future especially um you know when you're when you're an outgoing officer 
you know. Yeah. So, you know, I look forward to I look forward to hopefully, you know, there'll be a promotion maybe, you know, in the near future. Yeah. Hopefully that works out. Yeah. What What's the city like? How, how large is it? What's the demographics of it? Um, it's a fairly small city. Uh, it, it only stretches a few miles each way. Um, primarily retail, retail stores are our jurisdiction. Um, but there's several, you know, several residential areas as well. Um, the demographic would be, uh, actually, I'd say it's a pretty diverse, it's a pretty diverse community. Okay. Um, I, I run into, you know, we run into the whole spectrum of people every day. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of diversity here. Right. And if you get a lot of, re- if you get a lot of retail, a lot of people are coming through, a lot of diverse groups are right. coming through on the daily, at least right. the daytime population. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So what, what do you like most about uh, being a police officer? Um, you know, there, there's several, there's several things. Um, and, you know, people, you know, people say that when they get, you know, when they get hired and they ask you in the academy, why do you want to be a police officer? Like, oh, I want to help people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, there is a lot of truth to that. If you're, if you're actually passionate about the career, if you're just showing up, you know, if you're one of those guys, just I've always said there's a difference between a police officer and a person who shows up to work in a uniform. You know, um, so if you're if you're that police officer who actually cares about the job and actually wants to make a difference and actually is invested in what you're doing every day, what, like I consider myself to be, then I would say you get satisfaction out of legitimately helping someone. Yep. Um, and by that i mean you know you're you're actually doing something to make the community you work in better you're actually helping victims you're actually you're actually um you know just, le- just legitimately reaching out and helping somebody who who's called you for assistance mm-hmm. um and then further i would say the greatest thing is um removing a criminal from the street who is just out victimizing our community right. um that that is that is you know our main focus um, so when you, when you have a true, as I said earlier, you know, the people who are multiple time felons that are on the street, if you can put a solid criminal case on them, um, in an effort to get them out of the population where they don't need to be, if they're out still committing crimes, then that's, I get satisfaction out of that. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And what's a, what's a challenging part of being a, being a cop nowadays for you? Um, let's think, um, I think one of the challenging things is, is, uh, you know, just the general, and I think every police officer nowadays could probably relate to this, but it's, it's the, the worrying about if something goes sideways on, on, let's say if something goes sideways on a call for service, how will this play out to the public or will the public understand, you know, this is the reason why this officer took the action that he did, or, you know, was it justified? Um, so the challenge will, would be, you know, I guess just ensuring that, you know, you're doing your best to make the right decisions every day. Yeah. Do you find, because with the media, there's a, there's a camera on every corner. There's, you know, everyone's got a camera in their pocket that can live stream to, you know, Facebook and YouTube in a a second, you find a lot of officers, whether it be at uh, Metro or over mutual don't really want to get engaged anymore because, like you just got done saying, they don't want oh, to be the next next viral video. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, that's that's 
that's a fact. A lot of officers are hesitant to to do anything because they don't they don't want to be the next viral video. They don't want to be the next national court trial. Yep. Um, however, like my style of policing, and this and this is what I've always taught when I was an FTO. Is what I taught my rookies is that you know you should be coming to work every day with the expectation that somebody's watching you. You know, like every action that you take, you need to just expect that you're being watched, and you need to. Yep. I mean, you should be policing regardless, even before we had body cameras. You know, you should you should be going out there every day doing your job as if somebody's right over your shoulder watching it. Mm-hmm. Because they are. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, because people are. are um, you know, the literally. I mean, you know, it, and I'm sure you can relate to this. You know, every time you make a traffic stop, you you can look over and there's somebody driving by. You know, recording you on their mm-hmm. phone or somebody standing on the sidewalk, and it could be. You know, something very simple that you were just going to give somebody a warning for, but they think it's the next headline news story for whatever reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Have you found, have you ever had an experience where somebody's intervening because you're on a traffic stop or or just a, a, a pet check or whatever you're doing and, you know, people want to come up and yes. get get involved in your, in your situation, you know, start questioning or start recording and they've got nothing oh, to do with that, with that person to begin with? Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's several times um, that, you know, I'll have a car stopped or have a person stopped and, you know, some, you know, a crowd of people will walk up and start, you know, asking questions, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hold on. You, you don't have anything to do with this. Let me deal with my stop first. And then, you know, if I have time, I'll, I'll explain this to you, you know. Right. Um, but on the other hand, I've actually had people who have, you know, seen me out if I was out by myself on a stop. Like a pedestrian stop. There was a pedestrian stop one time. I was out with myself, and the guy started to get aggressive. And uh, a guy driving by actually pulled over and asked me, "Officer, do you need some help?" Wow. And I was like, you know, my, my my partner was a little while away, and I was like, actually, I do. And he actually pulled over, got of his car, and helped me get the guy in custody. So that was that was refreshing. <laughs> yeah, really refreshing. I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. Right. Yeah. You, you you don't see that too often, but uh, hey, that's Kentucky. Right. It was it was nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. So you said the 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 future holds for you, maybe profession. Um, you're gonna stick it out the whole what, twenty more years or fifteen more years Weird. in the profession? So, fifteen. The the Kentucky retirement system is twenty five, so I've still got fifteen left. Um will I stick it out? I mean that's the plan for now. Uh, yeah. however, you know, like I said, I am interested in federal, so if I get lucky enough to get into a federal position then you know, it would be worth it to do another 20 there, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck and all that. And, uh, thank much, you much success and, and safety over there at Butchel and, and whatever you, you do and bringing up those boys to, to love UK. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Never happened. Never going to happen. <laughs> all right, man. I appreciate you. Uh, but like I said before, uh, before I let you get out of here, I got a little game here for you. I like to play with my guests. So let me get this up right. for you. This is called Bluegrass State or Ain't. Bluegrass State or Ain't. Let me turn down this right. music real quick. This always gets too loud. All right. There we go. Oh, it's like your home playing. Yes, sir. That's what that is. So. What we're going to do here is I'm going to give you a celebrity and you just tell me, are they originally from Kentucky or not? Okay. Real, real simple. Hopefully it's real simple for you. All right. <laughs> All right. All right let's, let's go. Make sure. Here's your first one here. 
Rajon Rondo, is he originally from Kentucky or not? He is. He is. Yes, he, he went to that to that uh, place that we, we won't speak about, but yeah, he is a Kentuckian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is an original Kentucky. He's out here uh, playing for the Lakers now, so mm-hmm. on our he bench. Is. So, all right. How about uh, George Clooney? Is he originally from Kentucky or not? He is. He is he from is. Kentucky. You know I don't one. think he was here long. Yes. Originally from Kentucky. All right. Two for two. You know you're Kentuckians. All right. How about uh, Cardi B? Is she, is she from Kentucky? Nah, Car- Cardi, Cardi a little too ratchet for Kentucky. <laughs> she, nah, she ain't from Kentucky. She's from New York. All right. How about Will Smith? Is Will Smith from Kentucky? Nah, uh, no. Nah, nah. We all know that one. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Yes, he ain't from Kentucky. He is from Philly, Pennsylvania. How about Nicole Scherzinger? Originally from the Pussycat Dogs. Yeah. Nicole went, Nicole went to Manuel. She's from Louisville. Yes, uh, you know that one then. Yes. He's <laughs> a Kentuckian. Yes. I think she's on uh, Mass Singer or one of them shows now. Yeah, one, one of those like Dancing with the Stars type shows. Right, sure. yeah. How about uh, Tom Cruise? Is he originally from Kentucky? Uh, I, I don't think so. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, and you would be wrong. Oh, he is from what? Kentucky. <laughs> He's been in L.A. Maverick's a while. but from he, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how long he was in Kentucky, but he was born in Kentucky. So he's wow, originally from Kentucky. Yeah. All right. Only a couple wrong here. A couple more for you. For you. How about Muhammad Ali? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Cassius Clay. Born and raised in Louisville. Yep. He is a Kentucky. We're doing splendid here. How about uh, Daniel Craig? 007. Bond? Bond. No, Bond, Bond's not a Kentuckian. No, nah, he is not a Kentucky. I had to throw that one up. He's from England. <laughs> If you got that one wrong, we would just have to stop that one. <laughs> Man, delete the whole interview. <laughs> yeah, how about Ice Cube? Ice Cube, is he from Kentucky? Nah, Cube, Cube ain't from here. Nah, he's from L.A. <laughs> he's not from Kentucky. And last but not least, how about Florence Henderson? Played the Mrs. Brady on the Brady Bunch. The Brady? No, I don't think Mrs. Brady's a Kentuckian either, you would be wrong again. She is a Kentuckian. Yes, yes. But you know what, man? You got uh, more right than you got wrong, so we're going to call you the winner. I'll take it. All right, yeah, get them hands up. Yes, you, you did it. You did it. I appreciate that. Man, you got through that. Uh, a couple threw you for a loop, man. But as long as Cube and Daniel Craig didn't throw you for a loop, you know, we right. all the important and, ones. And, and, and Will, Will Smith, because everyone knows that. And right. West Philadelphia, born and raised. Yeah. That's not just a lie exactly. from a song. He, he definitely was. So, <laughs> all right, my man, I appreciate you for coming on. It, this was real fun. We had a little technical glitch there that I'll, I'll try to edit out. Um, but heck, I'm still yeah. talking about it here. But. <laughs> whatever we get we got you back on it's all good i appreciate you man you be safe uh how about uh something for the for the viewers and the listeners before we get, let you get out of here some words of wisdom on the way out uh words of wisdom i'd say uh 
if you're if you're looking to promote, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure you're going to take care of your guys. And if you are already in that area where you're a supervisor or a senior leader in your department, I'd say, uh, you know, don't forget where you came from. Make sure that you uh, keep in touch with the guys on the street every day or the guys in investigations. But, um, you know, make sure that if you if you've been in leadership for a while and you necessarily haven't been an investigator or been on the street in a while, then take some time and go out there and ride with your guys and see what they're doing, because obviously, you know, our career changes every day. So if you've been if you've been out of the field for, you know, five or 10 years, you, you got a lot of catching up to do. So just make sure you stay in touch with your guys and see what they're doing. Great words to live by. Great words. All right, my brother, I appreciate you. You be safe uh, when you go back out there on the street today, and uh, we'll talk soon. Right. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. You got it, man. We'll talk to you. All righty. All right, Square Pegs, that's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank former Louisville Metro and now Butchel, Kentucky police officer Paul Paris for dropping by the show. I enjoyed our conversation, Paul, and wish you much success at your new department. I also want to thank all of you out there for your continued support of the Black and Blue Podcast. Let's keep this thing rolling in 2022. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another fun and fact-filled law enforcement interview, but till then, y'all know it. Say it with me. Stay black in blue. I'll holla at you. Peace. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.